This episode is produced with support from DBT Wellcome Trust India Alliance. This is your host Shubhra Priyadarshini and you are listening to the Nature India podcast. This episode we are seeing red with a clinical neuroscientist, a Bollywood historian and a computational biologist. Now what do I mean? Kalava Michael Ajo apni maa ka doodh bana chahta hai aajaad samne. Kutto kamilo ab haath utha ke dikhao. Aao it probably didn't take you too long to identify Amitabh Bachchan's voice in these clips from some of his super hit Hindi movies. That is the testament to the power of Bollywood. But also it's because anger is a universal emotion. Rage, wrath, fury, outrage, whatever you want to call it, we are genetically programmed to recognize it. And of course, we have all felt it. But what's behind those flared nostrils, the rapid heart rate? What's happening when you shout at the top of your voice or slam the door behind you? In this episode of the Nature India podcast, we are exploring the science of anger and much more. In this highly connected digital age, how are films social media and algorithms shaping our emotions let's find out so emotional states uh, broadly can simply be defined as positive and negative emotions these kinds of negative emotions whether it's uh, untoward anger hostility or sadness began being codified as symptoms of psychiatric illness sometime in the 19th century Our major research is on the genetics and neurobiology of uh, severe mental illness, mainly schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And these, uh, the symptoms in these patients very often have to do with the hostility and anger. That is Sanjeev Jain, a professor at the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences in Bengaluru. Indeed, inappropriate levels of anger are associated with many psychiatric conditions and health conditions too. But anger is a necessary emotion. Throughout evolution, anger has had an adaptive role in survival. After all, along with fear, it drives the fight or flight response. So as a psychiatrist, we understand that anger is as legitimate emotion as happiness is. not being able to express anger can actually be quite damaging for the psyche our question to sanjeev jain was while humans are genetically the same as they were hundreds of thousands of years ago is the general population just getting angrier than ever if you watch prime time news or one of the latest blockbusters or just scroll down through your twitter or facebook feed 
It certainly seems so, doesn't it? Obviously, the propensity to have so-called basic emotions like anger, fright, fear are innate to almost all um, all animals that have a central nervous system. Now, human beings uh, develop this very complex relationship between our so-called neocortex or our uh, frontal lobes, which regulates or understands or tries to interpret every emotional experience, rationalize it, compartmentalize it, and regulate it. But when there is a flood of emotional data or sensory data, then those mechanisms can get disrupted. Overstimulation itself can break down psychological defenses. So on one hand, we are overloaded with information in our hyper-connected digital world. And on the other hand, anger is pretty infectious. It sounds like a perfect storm. Negative emotions like anger and hostility had the potential of whipping large number of people into frenzy. So early in the 20th century, people like Le Bon actually talked about the crowd psychology and the psychology of the masses and this kind of understanding of how negative emotions get amplified and transmitted in society became a matter of concern. All the things that drive anger seem to have had a resurgence in the recent past. Indian cinema, as it turns out, is both a reflection of this anger of the masses and a driver of it. I started really to study the history of anger in popular films. And I found that actually it was with the new wave cinema that the trope of the angry young man came up for filmmakers. Then um, the angry young man was on the screen and um, acting out the actor of the popular uh, culture, the anger of the population, the, the anger of the good Indian citizen. That is Imka Rajamani, a historian of emotions, so to say. Imka researched anger in post-colonial India, while at the Center for the History of Emotions at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. I analyzed uh, films from Bollywood, Tollywood, <laughs> and uh, Hollywood, so Hindi, Tamil, and Telugu films, um, to see how the angry young man popularized anger as a political emotion in post-colonial India and changed um, the public emotionology that uh, from a good Indian is a calm and hopeful citizen, as it was in the Nehru area, to um, a narrative that a good Indian should be angry at a corrupt government, which then was a trope which was taken up um, by different political forces, but especially also by Hindu fundamentalists, um, who then used anger strongly as a political tool. Perhaps this toxic masculinity and this hyper-violence hyper that we see on screen reflects, to some extent, the subliminal anger which a large number of people feel. And this is a fantasized, glorified, escapist kind of, of uh, portrayal, which, like any any scheme of endless mirrors then starts feeding on itself and amplifying itself. So one must be very careful of this. The anti-hero, the little man who is so angry because nothing in the world actually seems right and then takes revenge on everybody around. Imka explains how movies can change our beliefs, our attitudes, our psyche. They determine what's cool, what's attractive and what's normal behavior, and we aren't just mimicking what we see, we are actually being changed by it. 
can really have an effect on the body and experiencing an emotion while you're watching a movie and with empathy you're going through the main characters or the hero's experience that this changes something in the brain because there is a plasticity in the body, in the brain and experience those emotions through characters while you're reading, while you're watching a movie it actually is a process of emotional learning and this process of emotional learning materializes in the brain and in the body uh, I think it would uh, make it less easy to use it because in order to enact this emotion and easily activate it, for example, in a violent um, uh, political action, people need to have learned that emotion. They need to have the feeling that it's an appropriate emotion to act out at that time. Of course, I should point out that this is not just a phenomenon unique to Indian cinema, be it Hindi, Tamil, Telugu or Kannada. That there's a lot of cross-referencing and copying and inspiration um, from each other. And um, talking of inspiration and cross-referencing, it's also very interesting how a Hindu nationalist anger builds so much on American cinema. The toxic masculinity issue is widespread from westerns to gangster movies to Kill Bill to Indian cinema. Whether it's a worldwide trend or whether it's we are just copycatting things or whether it's a manifestation of genuine uh, genuine anger, social anger, or all of all of the above, it's difficult to tease out. And it's not just mainstream media like cinema either. Let's turn to social media now, which, uh, as we know, has been used to incite everything from mob violence to protests to hate campaigns. In what ways are Facebook, Twitter, TikTok all lighting the match on our collective anger? With this endless uh, sensory stimulation on the on screens, because the signage or the attention span is shorter and shorter. Things are put up in millisecond or few seconds of information. The brain literally cannot keep up or those kinds of emotions are then secondarily uh, manipulated to heighten a particular kind of emotional state so that it becomes addictive. Now, the very reason for primary emotions is so that we can have predictable responses to predictable emotional arousals. But Sanjeev points out that this is probably being used in marketing and in spreading propaganda. So people tend, tend to remember negative emotions much better. So that taps in into the whole enterprise of why negative emotions or negative opinions therefore become neurologically or neuropsychologically more attractive when you do need to manipulate uh, action. Therefore, the clickbaiting of it, because whatever is more remembered more often is what you want. It's a fascinating field of study to explore how attention, perception and cognition are being influenced by technology companies. To learn more about this, we turn now to Tav Pritesh Sethi, a computational biologist and physician scientist at the Indraprasth Institute of Information Technology, Delhi. We asked him, how exactly are our emotions influenced by artificial intelligence and algorithms? How are algorithms built in a way where emotions are triggered? 
every company, every platform knows that human beings are emotional. And the way to engage with human beings is via emotions. So there is a lot of um, research around triggers and hooks that basically engage with people's emotions and make use of that. It's um, always easier for humans to express emotions when they know that they are less accountable and are, for example, interacting on the platform or a medium where there is no human eye-to-eye contact. And that's when I think uh, a lot of expressions, they can be written with emotions and they can actually be uh, quite provocative as well. We were working with um, what spreads faster on social media when we look at COVID uh, tweets, right? And we observed that tweets which had a lot of exclamation marks or tweets which have a lot of, I mean, um, a lot of capitalized letters and tweets that have more emotional content, they actually were more likely to be misinformation. And yet those were the tweets which were more likely to get more reactions itself. So can you recall what the last social media post was that made you angry? Tavkritesh actually tells us how algorithms can be regulated. AI is neutral. It's the way we use AI. It's more to do with how these algorithms can be regulated, can be detected, policed, and regulated. There is an international debate around ethics and um, and also around uh, the way algorithms can change behavior of people. With every possible AI application, there should be an associated metric that helps us quantify the dimension of uh, emotional engagement with the user. If you want to engage with users and, and move them towards positive outcomes, let's say health outcomes, you need those positive emotional feedback as well. But at the same time, you want to regulate the negative impact of the algorithms. We should uh, be aware of how these algorithms are built, what are the algorithms using, and what features, so that it just becomes a little bit more transparent. For example, bringing in people from the social science research together with, let's say, computational health research or other fields, let's say, social media research, and discuss out openly and see how these algorithms actually have influence on the psyche of uh, people. So the next time you feel your temper rising, remember, it could well be a product of everything you see and hear around you. In fact, it could be the reaction you've actually been primed for. We hope this episode sparked your curiosity and interest and not your anger. We'll be back soon with another insightful episode on Science in India in Hindi and English. In the meantime, make sure to check out our archives and share it with your friends and colleagues. I'm Shubhra Priyadarshini and this is the Nature India podcast. Thanks to the DBT Wellcome Trust India Alliance for their support in producing this episode. 